Morning. Morning. Thanks for asking about my broken toe. It's hey, it's getting better. Thanks, Bill. I, I, why haven't you asked to lay on hands and pray for it, man? That's that's right. We, we'll maybe we'll check in on that later. Hey, would you please join me in a word of prayer as we start this morning? Lord, we pray this morning for uh, ears to hear, hearts open. Just to, to know and experience that we love because you first loved us. We give because you have given so extravagantly to us. So on matters of giving, we recognize uh, the need that we have to respond to your extra- extravagance. So I pray that um, as we reflect together that you'd be present with us. You'd be nudging us and growing us. We need you in these moments. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, over the last several weeks, we've been using this word extravagance. Um, And I I love the word extravagance, and I've been thinking about it in all kinds of synonyms and in all kinds of different ways. It's a word I haven't used a whole lot in my life until recently, but I'm liking it. I'm going to use it a lot more. But a word this past week, especially thinking about giving, a word that's uh, stuck with me is the word generous. The word generous or generosity, over-the-top extravagance as generosity. So think in your own head, if if you see someone, or you, you want to look at what generosity is, you have to look at someone who's being generous, right? So think in your head, who in your life would you describe as a generous person? as an over-the-top, extravagant giver, a generous person. Think about that for a moment. Who would you describe as that person? I actually want to be described as one of those people, so I'm going to have to work a lot harder. But I have lots of generous people in my life. Some of you sitting in this room are those folks. I had uh, some Dennis helped me come and finish my bathroom, totally generous guy. But all of his work in my bathroom has been amazingly overshadowed recently, by another generous person in my life who's named Nancy. She gave us this picture that now sits, you know, in the place of honor above the throne. <laughs> it's a, it's a personalized, hand-painted picture, and uh, she's a, a friend I've known from Lake Oswego for almost 20 years, and she is over-the-top extravagant. She said, come to my house for your birthday, pick out a picture. So I thought I'd get, like, a little poster that she's done, like a reprint. She goes, no, 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 you need this one. And one with the frame. It's like more and more and more. Just her extravagance, her generosity just oozes out of her. And so she gave it to me, place of honor, come and check it out sometime. But I, I look at that picture and I think about what makes a person generous? What's the, the why behind her generosity? You know, and I think... There's some there's something about people who are generous that they see, they notice, they recognize, they trust in an abundance of life and an extravagance of God that they won't hesitate then to give of themselves. You know, maybe like me, maybe some of you, we struggle with a, a theology of scarcity, like we got to, you know, stock stuff away for a rainy day or we're always worried if there's going to be enough. People who are generous are quite the opposite, aren't they? They can't help but give out of a, a, a level of trust that amazes me. And again, I want to be that kind of person. And you can see, we see stories in scripture. The, the, the widow 
offering her, her offering at the temple. And Jesus notices her gift, not for her percentage, but before, because of her extravagance, her generosity, her trust that God would take care of her. An, another amazing illustration of scripture actually comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And if you've got your Bibles, I'd encourage you to flip these, this open. It's, uh, it's a great passage when Paul is talking about this kind of unrecognized extravagance. He's recognizing it. He's pointing it out. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 and following. Paul writes, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know... I'll actually put it up on the board for you. How about that? And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. Can't you just hear Paul's passion and excitement, his bragging on the churches in Macedonia, as they participated in putting together an offering to go to the Jerusalem church that was, that was aching so badly at the time? He is so pumped up and proud of their extravagant giving. He's so blown away about the trust that's behind it all. And he actually, he says that they have, their, their response is full of faith. And he challenges the Corinthian church, you know, you should, like them, excel in the grace of giving. So there are three things that I want to highlight about this passage I think speaks to us today as a community in, in moments like this. Now, I told Dave I'm going to try the math thing again. A couple weeks ago, I tried math and it was a little bit shaky, but I believe my, my math skills are going to improve. So three keys to understanding what, what actually um, excelling in the grace of giving could look like for us. First, it's about Faithful math, not fuzzy math, but faithful math. Look at the words that Paul uses. He says, in the midst of their overwhelming joy, in the midst of their extreme poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. If that were an equation in the world, extreme poverty right there in the middle, that equation wouldn't work out because that equation would take away from their generosity. Right? Do you get it? It, with God's equation, though, it's different. In the midst of their extreme poverty, in the midst of the fact uh, that the severe trial, their joy still equaled and exceeded rich generosity because of their faithfulness in God. That's the kind of equation I want to live with. No matter the circumstances, I want my life to equal rich generosity. Second, it's about faithful giving. Paul talks about them. He says, you know what? They gave as much as they could. And then you know what they did? They kept giving. And then they gave beyond that. It was entirely on their own. They begged us. They pleaded with us to be part of what God was doing to give this gift to the church in Jerusalem. They couldn't help not to give. And you know, I think what's behind giving as much as you can and then some, it's a trust in God that God's going to take care of us. God's going to take care of us. Faithful mass, faithful giving, and then lastly, uh, faithful worship. Paul says, they gave themselves to God first, and then to ministry. It's plain 
as day. They gave themselves to God first and then ministry. Listen to the message version. This is just a sweet way to render it. This was totally spontaneous. Entirely their own idea, and they caught us completely off guard. What does explain it is that they had first given given themselves unreservedly to God and then to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. Don't miss that statement because I think that this is what it's all about, guys, right? The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. The point of faithful giving is that our giving, our generosity, our extravagance that is faithful, it flows out of what God is doing in our lives. It's got to flow out of what God is doing in our lives. And it's got to start first with giving ourselves to God and then giving out of gratitude. And if we get those things backwards, I think we're going to be sunk. I think we're going to be sunk because it's not how God designed it. We're built to be givers, but first to give back out of gratitude with God and then give to the work that God has called us to. In a few moments, uh, our friend Tom is going to come up and he's going to, he's going to talk about a model of understanding what, what giving looks like here at Christ Church and uh, just some facts about uh, how giving makes ministry happen. Help us understand some things and also some challenges, opportunities for us to grow. Before we get there, i, I got to tell you a story because I think there are times that there are lies that get connected to our giving. There are pitfalls that get connected to our understanding of giving. So let me tell you about this story. Uh, the story. The legend tells about uh, this village in the wine country in Italy. That during World War II, the Nazis came in and they occupied this village. And the, the mayor and the men of the village, they fled to the hills and they hid out in caves. And over the following months and years, they gave the Germans all kinds of fits. They disrupted supply lines, they would ambush them and attack them, and then they'd flee to the hills really unscathed. So as after this time had passed and the Allies came in and, and uh, they pushed the, the Germans out, there was obviously, as you can imagine, so much joy when the village welcomed back their men. The mayor and all these men who had fought so courageously and Together they decided they needed to have a grand celebration to welcome back these men who'd stood up in the face of, of so much trial. So it was decided that in a week's time, there would be a parade of all the men through town. And at the end of the parade route in the, in the, the city square, in the town square, there's going to be a huge barrel. And since everyone made their own wine, people were invited over the course of the week to bring goblets of their own wine into the town square and pour them into the top of the barrel. And, and then they'd be prepared to welcome back their men in this grand celebration and all their mix, all their gifts as a community mixed together to celebrate this, this moment and their gratitude for all these men had done. Do you get a picture of it? Do you get a picture of it? Thanks for waking up. Great. So you can imagine. You can imagine when the day comes and the men line up at the edge of the city and people are swelling the streets and they're standing on tiptoe and everybody's just on the edge of their seats. The men come marching through and uh, as the, the mayor then, at this moment of silence, as he gets to the end of the parade route and he goes up to the barrel and he grabs his goblet and he goes and he opens the spigot and there is a gasp among the crowd as out of 
the barrel came pure, clear water. I tell you this story because I think there are two lies, there are two pitfalls that can happen when we get to talking about giving. And that community fell into them. One was the fear that if I give even a little bit, I'm not going to have a lot, enough left for myself. If I give even just a little bit, I'm going to go without. And that kept them from fully participating. The second lie is the misbelief that if I water it down then just a little bit, everybody else is given wine, right? If I water it down just a little bit, it won't matter. It won't matter. Obviously it mattered because all they brought was water. But for you and I, as a community of faith, ultimately the mixing of our gifts together, and this goes way beyond money, my friends, the mixing of our gifts together is what makes us the community that God has made us to be. And we've got to say no to those pitfalls about being fearful that if I give some, there's not going to be enough for me. Or to disbelieve and think, ah, if I just water it down a little bit, it won't matter. It makes all the difference in the world. So it's at this moment, actually, I'm going to invite my, my brother Tom up and keep those things, that scripture, those things uh, rumbling around in you as Tom speaks to us a bit about where we're at at Christ Church. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, sir. Chris is going to sit behind me, so in case I say bad things, he can push me off the stage and we'll end that early. But so I, the first service, I admitted to being a little bit nervous, and it wasn't so much because I don't like speaking in front of crowds, which is true, but it was because what I was going to say all got changed by a conversation that I had in the commons. And I won't say who it was with, but uh, her initials are Corinne Gross. Um, <clears throat> so the point is, if this goes well, I'm going to take credit for it, and if it doesn't go well, I'm going to blame Corinne for it. So. <laughs> Thank, but seriously, what, what she said was, and so now I'm nervous the second time because now I can't remember what I said the first service because I threw everything out. So now, those of you who have said in both services, you can tell me how I do and, and recalling what I said. But I do have to thank Corinne because uh, she's very honest and she knows me well enough. And she, the comment was essentially something to the effect of, for Consecration Sundays, you guys are saying it's not about money, but it is about money. And again, I thank Corinne for that comment because it is about money. Okay, and I'll say that again. It is about money. So if anybody's misunderstood this message, it is about money. But there are key caveats to that, right? It's not about fundraising, which Barry said. It's about how you give. And we'll, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But uh, again, I, I want to make it very clear that this is about money. And I think maybe where we've gone wrong is we're calling it Consecration Sunday. And if you're like me, you don't know what the word consecration means. I actually have a photocopy of the page in the dictionary that explains consecration. And I was going to put it up here, but I won't do that because I think it's actually a good exercise for you all to go home and look it up and see why we're using the word consecration Sunday. Not, it's not just to confuse you, although that seems to be one of the, the aspects of it. But the, 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 uh, the full name of the program, it, so first of all, before I forget, and I think I did forget this first service, is that if you have seen the newsletter that came out, the April newsletter. There's a link on the web, and I encourage you to go to that link. A, it looks much better in color, and B, we don't have to print out a bunch of hard copies, but I think there may still be hard copies out there. But there is an explanation of what Consecration Sunday and Palm Sunday coming up here in Christchurch are about. So if you haven't read that, that does kind of explain things. 
Um, but the full name of the program we're using is Consecration Sunday Stewardship Program. So if we had added that stewardship program, I think everybody would understand that, right? So there seems to be, in our church, this church here, as well as maybe the bigger Christian church, there's this dichotomy talking about money, and I find it very odd. So we just got done passing the offering plate, and nobody thinks anything of that. But for, to have someone stand up here and then talk about money, we think that's very odd, right? The other thing that strikes me as odd is there hasn't been a single mission in the history of the earth that hasn't been funded some way, somehow. It's in the Bible. Go look in the New Testament when the, the early followers of Christ went out, and they talk about thanks for supporting our efforts, etc., right? But why do we all of a sudden then, when it comes to talking about money, we think that's a weird thing? And, and I don't, it just doesn't make sense to me. And for those of you who've been to Pastor Sampson's church, you passed the offering plate three times. And apparently that's acceptable, but then again, you come up here and you can't talk about money. So it's, it's a little bit odd to me, but the point of it is, of Consecration Sunday, is not about our church finances, about anything else. If you go to a different church, if you relocate, I hope that you will take what we're talking about as part of the Consecration Sunday program with you, the approach to giving and why you give. And so I have to tell this story now, which I made up for the first service, and I'll tell it again for the second service. Um, it's a story about a small boy going to church with his parents. And this happens in the Midwest. And it's a very cold, uh, winter, blustery day. Winds are swirling. And they jump into the family minivan. And the boy buckles himself in in the back seat. His mother's in the front seat. And she turns around as they're on the way to church. And she gives him two $5 bills. She said to son, this one is for you to put in the offering plate at church. This $5 bill is for us. We're going to go to McDonald's afterwards. This is for a happy meal. So he's pretty excited about this. He's got $5 bill in each hand. And he's on the whole way to church looking at his hands, got $5 here, $5 here. So they get to church. He puts the $5 bill down so that he can open the door to the minivan. And, of course, the wind's swirling. It takes the $5 bill, blows it away. He hasn't even unbuckled his seatbelt. There's no way he's going to track this $5 bill down. So he looks at his hands, shocked. He doesn't know what to do. Then he has a sad, forlorn look on his face, and he looks at one hand and looks at the other, and then he looks up to heaven and he says, sorry, God, that was your $5 bill. <laughs> and, and we laugh at that. I think like I said, I think you're being polite. I think the first service was polite, too, since I made the story up a little while ago while I was sitting over there. But the, the point of the story is, actually, no, I actually heard that when I was, when I was young, and it had, at that point in time, it was like a dime, and it had to do with ice cream cones or something like that. But <laughs> inflation and all that, I had to change the story. Um, but the point, the reason we laugh at the story itself is because we realize that's not the way it should be, right? That if one $5 bill goes away, it's not automatically that's God's $5 bill. The other reason, though, I think we laugh is that it's a little bit uncomfortable for us because I think as Christians, that is the way it is for many of us. What that means is I'll take what I have and then if, if there's anything left over, God, I will give that to you on Sunday, right? And that's backwards, isn't it? That's not the way it should be. To me, it's not a coincidence that we start the week on Sunday, which is also the day we worship Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and his Father in heaven, right? What we are saying is thank you for the blessings. Thank you for what you've given us. I commit this money to you, and if I have financial problems during the week and I don't have enough money left over, I'm giving faithfully, as Chris mentioned, that you will help me figure out how to get out of that. It's not, I'm going to keep this, and then if there's anything left over, I give you what's there, right? So that's what Consecration Sunday is. It's how you think about it. And what you may be saying at this point is, okay, well, that's great. Tom's, you know, he drank the Kool-Aid, and he's part of this whole effort. And, and that's not really true. Um, I, I was fortunate. So Michael Gross last week told his story about growing up and his experience with, with giving. 
But he grew up in a family where the father was a pastor, so you kind of expect them to be a role model for how this works in the church. And I didn't grow up in a family that way, but I think I grew up with certain understanding about giving to the church, and I thank my parents and the church for that. I grew up in the Presbyterian Church, and ever since the time I can remember, we had uh, envelopes, which had numbers on them, and your giving was tracked by number. But the key point of this thing was, back then, we, of course, we called these things pledges. And my parents sat down with one another and said, how much are we going to give? And I was too small to know whether they were doing it on percentage or how they came up with the number. But the point was, they were thinking ahead, right? It's the Sunday concept. I'm going to give you this money in advance, not I'm going to wait to see how much I have at the end of each week or at the end of the year or whatever. And it's not just a set dollar of 18 or $20, whatever's convenient, because I have that in my wallet. It's a conscious effort to think about, this is how much I am going to commit to church, to the mission of God, to furthering the kingdom. Right? And it doesn't have to be this particular church. Right now we're talking about Christ Church. It doesn't have to be this church. It's the collective Christian church. Again, all of these missions, funds come from somewhere, right? So money in itself is not inherently evil in this sense, and, and I hope people don't think that way. And if you're a visitor here, I apologize because you're going to come away saying, money, that's a weird church. They talked about money for like 20 minutes or something. <laughs> Trust me, none of the other people have ever heard this before either. This is the first time we've done this. But the point of this, again, is it's a stewardship thing. And stewardship, the whole concept of that, is not new to this church. It's been kicked around at the leadership level for a while. It's just taken us a while to actually take some concrete steps. So Consecration Sunday stewardship program is a concrete step. And that's what we're asking you to participate in on April 17th, which happens to be Palm Sunday. And I'll try to explain that uh, correlation a little bit later if I can. So with that long preamble, let me go to this um, verse that, follows closely after what Chris was talking about. This is from 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11. And I'll go ahead and read it. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And to me that's the whole point of this, is thanksgiving to God. Right? This is an act of worship. This is not to fund the building or any of that nature. This is what you're saying as part of your worship to God. And to me, this is a very important thing. So let's move on. Uh, in your bulletins, hopefully you all have a card, some cardstock that has two sides. One looks like this. And hopefully you have a pen. If you don't, raise your hand and hopefully we can get the ushers or somebody to bring you a pen. This is an interactive exercise so that you all stay awake. Uh, what we're going to do is just, this is an, it's informational. And this has to do with our giving at Christchurch for the year 2010. And this is just, again, for information. What this shows is general giving only, so it does not include any special gifts, and it's on a per-week basis. So if you're like most of the people here, you don't actually give on a per-week basis. You may give monthly or quarterly or whatever. Some people actually do give weekly. But you probably won't know while you're watching these numbers where exactly you fall. So don't think too much about where you are. Think about the number, whether you think it's large, small, and it doesn't matter what you know you actually conclude about that. And I'll show there's a summary slide at the end. But I do want you to write these numbers down as we go through this. So the first step is right now we have 27 what we consider members, people who are active or coming regularly to the church who are recorded as zero. So the thing I want to point out here is it may be that they're really not giving any money, and it may be that they're giving money in terms of currency or cash in the offering plate, and we have no way to track that. Most people give by check or simply giving or something where we can actually track and say, okay, this is how much they gave. And the reason we do that 
is a benefit to them. It's for an IRS contribution tax deduction, right? If there were no tax deductions, we wouldn't need to keep track of anything, right? But the flip side of that is it gives us information on how much people give, and that's where these numbers come from. So anyway, that's a long way of saying for 27 of these people, we don't know. So we have either no track or they're giving in cash and currency, and we have no way to track that. So moving on, so on a per week basis from one cent to essentially $5, we have 34 members. And you can probably put that in context. I don't know what a foo-foo drink at Starbucks costs now. A latte, like what, four fifty or something? I don't, I don't know. A regular coffee, I'll tell you, is like a dollar fifty to two bucks or something. Uh, so moving on, five dollars to ten dollars, uh, twenty people on this. If you write that down. Moving to the next bracket, ten to twenty dollars, twenty-four people are recorded in this category. Twenty to twenty-nine is sixteen. 30 to 39.99 is what's number seven. Moving to the next one, 40 to 49 dollars in 99 cents, 11. And then we're going to jump. You notice the step size just increased now. Now we're talking 25 dollar step size, 50 dollars to 75. Essentially, nine members in this category. 75 to 100 is 10. 100 to 150 is 12. 150 to 199.99 is two, and above 200 each week, we have about four people. Okay, so if, if you're like me, and I think fortunately you're not, this is a chart that's easier to see the total trend than going up that step chart. Uh, what this shows is just the same numbers that I gave just before. So the last step, step 12, is that $200 and up. So those are the four people we talked about in the 150 to 200, two people here. This is the 27 from zero, 34 in the uh, one cent to 4.99. So I say, I mean, you can. My job, uh, I have an engineering background. This is the easy part, right? The numbers I can get you. What the numbers mean, what they should mean. If you're happy or sad about the numbers, that's a different discussion. That's policy. That's politics. That's sociology. Engineers don't do that stuff, so. <laughs> so we'll flip over. This is really more the important part, though. This is a giving chart, and what's the idea here is to find out roughly what your weekly income is, again, on a weekly basis. And then if you read across the categories here, this tells you percentage. And so just as an example, we'll look at $1,000 because the math works out easy. If you're bringing in $1,000 per week and you're giving $50, you're at the 5% range. And if you wanted to go to 6%, you'd be giving 60 so Barry, in his uh, introductory comments on Consecration Sunday, and I thank him for doing that, like I say, I think there has been confusion over Consecration Sunday, and we're trying to alleviate that confusion. Maybe we're creating more. <laughs> we'll find out. But what he said was, we want to move to proportionate giving. And what does that mean? So that means giving proportionate to your income, not just, oh, I have a $5 bill in my, my wallet, so I'll give you $5. It's, again, A, to think ahead of time about how much you want to commit to God's work. Two is to... Do it in a quantitative fashion, make an educated judgment of how you're going to do that, right? I think a lot of us are familiar with the concept of tithes here, and if you're not familiar with that, it's essentially 10%, and if you want the biblical references for that, you can go to the Old Testament. I think Leviticus is where it starts. So Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, each has sections on tithing, but it's 10%, right? So we're not asking you to give 10%. In fact, we're not asking you to give any percent. What you decide to do is between you and God, and nobody here will know it. Nobody knows what your annual salary is, so there's no way for us to even calculate it. 
and we don't want it calculated. What we want you to do, though, is think intentionally, what does this relationship that I have with God and Jesus Christ mean to me? How much am I willing to commit to that? And to do it on a proportionate basis, this is a table that will help you figure out how we do that. And again, I think the, the point for this, to me, is is the blessing. So let me now talk about how does this tie into Palm Sunday? So we made a lot of talk about Consecration Sunday, which happens on Palm Sunday, and people feel may feel that we haven't given enough attention to Palm Sunday, which we haven't hit yet. But Palm Sunday clearly is a very significant date in the church calendar. And that starts one of the holiest weeks, and it ends with this cross on Friday. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Sunday. So when you talk about gifts and commitments, think about that. It's a pretty significant thing. The money that we've been blessed with, the fact I look at the blessings that I have, the fact that I have no wants for food, clothing, shelter, not, not everybody in the world is that fortunate. So all we're saying is for this Consecration Sunday, what we're going to ask people to do is come to Palm Sunday. We have a single service that day. Go to the brunch afterwards. It's a catered brunch, so you don't have to do anything. It's not potluck. All we're asking you to do is RSVP and tell us if you're coming or not so we know how much that we need to get from the caterers. And so that's kind of the next step here. I'm going to ask the uh, Consecration Sunday team to hand out I have a card here. So it's an RSVP card that looks like this. It's not very complicated. It's basically yes or no, I will attend with name and contact information. We need to get one of these from every household. And lest you think that you can get away with not filling one of these out, if we will be doing this, I think, this week and next week? Maybe not. Um, anyway, if we don't get, we will. Okay, David's back there telling me that that's true. So we'll be doing this again next week for folks who aren't here. And if you don't know the answer, I guess you can respond next week as well. But if we don't hear from you by next week, then we will be contacting you to find out because we need to get the final number to the caterers to know how much to present. So the Consecration Sunday people are handing these out. Hopefully you all have pens. Please fill them out. They will pick up the cards. And while you're doing that, I'll turn it over to Chris and Kendall, who are going to lead us in the song. Think about the words of the song. It's talking about more than just uh, thought. It's talking about action. Do what I was made to do. 
Thank you for that song. So I just have, uh, Bill, are you handling it back there? I just have one other thing to say. Again, we're going to do this on uh, Palm Sunday. And again, I can see no better time for us to put down what our commitment is to the furthering God's kingdom than on Palm Sunday. Again, think about what that means. So what we're asking you to do as homework between now and then is, again, first of all, think about uh, giving in terms of percentage. So again, this is intentional thinking about. That's the important part. Don't misunderstand that chart that I just showed. We're not saying give 10%. I hope I made that clear. Give whatever is in your heart, what you're called to do. That's between you and God, and we will never know that. So whatever, don't be influenced and say, well, the church needs me to give more. That's not the issue. If the church needs you to be intentional about what you're giving, and then if you look at your where you are in that chart, please do consider moving up one step, one percentage. That means move one block to the left, and it's on that chart that you'll, you have down at the bottom. But do that, and... Your homework's done. Enjoy the brunch on Palm Sunday, and I thank you for your attention.